Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Uh, Good morning, Harvest, and uh, welcome to our online Sunday service. Um, Before we begin, I'd like to actually say congratulations to everyone who graduated Uh, whether you graduated um, going into junior high, high school, college, or that you graduated out of college. Congratulations for making it thus far. Um, And it's it's, uh, hopefully you'll have a nice summer break before you enter into your your new school year. Uh, With that being said, um, I am speaking today because Pastor Dave will be out of town for the next couple of days. He's going to be on a personal retreat, and so he asked me, to share God's word with you morning, and it's definitely my privilege to do so. So as I was praying and thinking about what to share with you guys and, and really asking God, like, what does he want uh, for me to, to speak to you guys on? Um, as I was thinking and praying about it, I just realized that as a church and maybe even as individuals, we've been going through a lot uh, these past few weeks. Um, there's a lot of changes going on at Harvest. Um, you know, we're going to be hopefully in the now arena very soon. Um, There's also even a lot of discussions going on because of letters from Rahab and just even discussions about church abuse and what is that and things like that. Um, There's even, you know, the opening of Illinois and uh, questions about mass guidance and all these other things. And so I just, as I was praying and thinking that all those thoughts kind of entered in my head. And as I was even talking with some of you preparing for like even the now arena or talking through the community groups or other things, I just realized that there is a sense that a lot of us are doing the best we can uh, as Christians and trying to live out our faith. But there was a sense of tiredness, a sense of even weariness, um, maybe because of the pandemic or maybe for other things. But that in a lot of ways, what was kind of prompting us to continue to do things, to continue to walk this life of faith was maybe out of more of a sense of duty or obligation. And uh, that really kind of struck me. And as I was thinking and praying, I was thinking, wow, what would God want us to say when we're in this place? And um, and really, just even as I was thinking about this, I wondered if even for some of you who are listening today, if this is the place that you're at, where uh, you might be working hard right now, uh, but more that's out of a sense of the expectation for yourself. You don't really enjoy it. Um, or maybe you just feel like that's the Christian thing to do is to continue to work hard. Or that maybe you are just trying to be patient with family members and really, really patiently enduring them asking you to do all sorts of things or maybe even trying to take, especially if you have a lot of young kids, there's always a lot of asking and taking and that you're just patiently enduring uh, these things really because out of a sense of this is what a Christian is also supposed to do, again, out of due obligation. Right? Or maybe you are serving Harvest and serving our church and have done it so diligently even over the pandemic. But as you've been serving and things, there's a sense of weariness because maybe things are just not working out very well. Or maybe the church is going in a direction that you don't always quite agree with. And so you are, in a way, suffering patiently uh, but without quitting. And, uh, and maybe that's where you're at right now. Well, if any of these things resonate with you and you know, for me, uh, in some ways, all three kind of do resonate a little bit with me. Uh, really, there's a passage that really speaks to this. And uh, this passage comes from Revelation chapter 2, 
verses 2 through 5. Um, that's Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. And I'll be reading from the NLT version of this. It reads, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. You know, does this passage resonate with you on where you're at? I feel like it, it does for me, and I hope it does for you. And, you know, as, it, we, as I read this passage to you, I can't help but what the church in Ephesus went through. And these words were from Jesus uh, through uh, John in this book of Revelation to this church in Ephesus, that what they were going through in some ways is, probably speaks to a lot of what we're going through. And so, you know, what's so interesting is this church in Ephesus, they were serving God so faithfully, you know, just even Jesus acknowledges all the things that they did for him, but yet they lost their love for Jesus along the way. And so, you know, I wanted us to really kind of explore this passage together that, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I think many of us, we have been excited to follow Jesus in the past. Maybe it was back in youth group or college, or maybe it's more recent. Maybe we, there was a sermon, uh, whether it was here at Harvest or somewhere else or a conference that we went to, and that really got our energies flowing. We felt excited again to learn more about God, to serve Him. But somehow, life or other things, the things that have changed all around us, have caused us, caused us to lose some of that excitement, lose that love. And so, you know, first I want to ask, you know, how did we get here? How did we get to this place where we were once excited, but, but now we're not? That we once were so in love with Jesus, but now maybe that love has waned, or maybe that loving feeling isn't there as much anymore. How did we get here? Well, verses 4 to 5 of our passage today really kind of gives us insight. And Jesus says this. He says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And here Jesus, he gives us insight because he, you see here he is really kind of pointing the Ephesians in this, in this church in Ephesus back to you know, what you did at first really pointing them back to initially their first encounter with Jesus when they first became Christian, right? And, and even as we see that, he also says, turn back, turn back to him. And I think what all this alludes to is really that the church in Ephesus really turned away from Jesus, even as they were serving him. And this turning away caused them to, in a lot of ways, lose that love, that first, that first initial love that they had for Jesus. And so I wanted to just explore a little bit of what this turning away really means. And so in order to do that, we have to actually go back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament actually talks a lot about turning away from God, using this language of turning away from God. And uh, here there's a passage in Deuteronomy that I think really speaks well to this. 
Here in it's Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Um, and this is from the NASB. It reads, And it shall come about, if you listen obediently to my commands, which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that he will provide rain for your land in its season, the early and late rain, so that you may gather your grain, your new wine, and your oil. He will also provide grass in your field for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Beware that your hearts are not easily deceived, that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. And so this, this passage is really kind of painting this picture, and this is Moses speaking to the Israelites in, in Deuteronomy, that um, you know, as they kind of enter into this promise line, as they even obediently obey God's commands, that God would, in a lot of ways, provide for them, um, provide this great land, uh, you know, grass, cattle, rain, right? But that these things could lead them ultimately astray, that they don't deceive themselves and turn away from God and serve other gods and worship them. And so really what I wanted to point out is that turning away from God really is a sense of turning to other gods and worshiping them. That really the way that God has created us is that we are all worshipers, uh, worshipers of something. And whether or not we worship God or in a lot of ways we could deceive, be deceived and worship other gods, just like Moses talks about here with the Israelites and, and serve them. And so maybe this sounds a little bit foreign to you. Um, you know, even as I speak, I can see how, you know, serving other gods, right? I mean, that's not really how this world works today, right? Well, I actually say, beg to differ. Um, you know, here there is in modern, in the modern world, there are lots of examples of how today people re do really recognize that humans are actually created to be worshipers. And the example I like to point to, and this is actually one of many, but the one that really kind of caught my eye and as I was thinking about this, is that a lot of actually companies today know that we are worshipers. And the reason I know this is because there's such a thing as brand loyalty. Brand loyalty. Um, and it's interesting, if you haven't heard that term before, uh, brand loyalty is this, this is the way the Wikipedia dis, uh, um, defines this. It says, brand loyalty in marketing consists of a consumer's devotion bond, and commitment to repurchase and continue to use a brand's product or service over time, regardless of changes with competitor pricing or changes in the external environment. Brand loyalty reflects a customer's commitment to remain in a relationship for a long period of time with a brand. I just find it so interesting. I, I, I really feel like this is an accurate description of brand loyalty. Like it's a commitment over time. There's a loyalty to it. I mean, hence the brand loyalty, but, but even a devotion to this product or to the service because of, of the brand. And if you're still not convinced, let me show you some brands that I think really exemplify what lo this brand loyalty looks like. So here is the, the first image of a brand. Um, and you know, all of us kind of know what this is, right? Uh, this is Apple. And the Apple brand, what's so interesting about the Apple brand is that they don't really even mention what they're selling. You know, I mean, what they're selling is uh, computers, laptops, iPhones. But what they actually put on their brand is think differently. So what they're actually selling you is this creativeness and this coolness, which 
ultimately, I think, does really build a sense of like identity for people that they want to identify with, this loyalty of an emotional bond there. And so it's just so interesting that Apple as a company, I think, understands that people are worshipers and what they're trying to capture is that worshipfulness towards wanting to be creative and cool. Here's another brand um, that, that I think all of us kind of see. And this, again, you know, even without the name of the brand, all of us recognize this, this is Starbucks, right? And, and what's so interesting about Starbucks is they don't just sell coffee, right? They sell an experience. And what's so interesting about Starbucks, it's, it's so ubiquitous nowadays, right? I mean, how many of you had a Starbucks coffee or a Starbucks drink today even, right? I think many of us get Starbucks coffee or a Starbucks drink every day. And not only that, but what's so interesting, the loyalty that they've generated is like we're willing to pay a little bit extra or a lot extra in some cases for a drink from them. And really all these companies are really, what they're trying to do is they're trying to develop an emotional bond with us, right? It's more than just the products they sell, although the products are good. You know, I'm right now using an iPad. I have an iPhone. But what they really want to do is that the products themselves are not the thing that they're trying to sell. They're trying to develop this, in a sense, worship or emotional bond or devotion to the products so that no matter what they sell, that you'll always go back and buy from them, no matter how long it's been or you know, what the price might be. And so I, I think this is a, a modern day of just thinking about, well, what does it mean for us to be worshipers? Right? God has created us this way. And in a lot of ways, if we're not intentional about how we worship, whether it's worshiping Apple or, you know, and I know that some of us, maybe that might be too strong of a term, or some of us might be looking at other people and be like, yep, that guy definitely does worship Apple. But, you know, if we're not intentional in thinking about these things, I think a lot of us can easily fall into worshiping these other things more than God. And this is what the church in Ephesus, the Ephesian church, kind of fell into, that even though they were serving God so faithfully, again, Jesus acknowledges this, that they ended up worshiping other things, other even gods, even as they were serving God so faithfully. And so, you know, Jesus saw this and really called them out and was like very direct in saying, you don't love me anymore and turn back to, to me. And I feel like that's the words that we also need to hear today that Jesus is calling us as well to turn back to him. And so just even for now, just asking ourselves, have we intentionally or even unintentionally started to give our hearts, our soul, our mind, our strength to something else other than God? Right? Have we done that? Um, And this is not in any way to make us feel guilty or judgmental, but just to sit and honestly ask ourselves, like, have we given a lot of our time, our strength, our desires, our wants to something other than God? And so, really, where do we go from here? You know, maybe you do agree with me that we're all worshipers, and maybe we, as we're thinking about this, we're thinking, okay, yes, maybe I have given my heart to other things. But what are we supposed to do as constant worshipers? What are we supposed to do if we're, you know, it's never neutral. We're either going to worship God or we're going to be worshiping other things. What are we supposed to do in that situation? And some of you may have already kind of gone to this conclusion where you're thinking, oh, 
you know, Stan is going to just say, well, we have to worship God every moment of every day. Right. And while, you know, that I believe is really an end goal, um, especially in the new heaven and the new earth, I think that is what God would want us to do uh, for the rest of eternity. But I think the reality of the world that we live in today um, really doesn't allow us to, to do that of every moment every day. I mean, there always will be the struggle with sin in our lives. And so what are we supposed to do? Um, let me actually read Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 5 again. Uh, this time from a different translation. This is from the NASB. And this will actually give us insight in, in what we're supposed to do. So Revelation 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 from the NASB reads, Therefore, remember for where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. And so what's so crazy in some ways is that Jesus first, as he, his words give us this idea of how we got there, but then also embedded in the same words is how do we get out of this place. And so I think it's so amazing. It's, it's so packed in with so many things here. Jesus' words, he's, he's so efficient in his use of language. But, but what's so interesting is here in this version really brings out the original words, the, the, the words that I think in the original language really kind of focused on. And there are two words that I want us to see here. The first word is remember, and the second word is repent. Um, but really, actually, I'm going to explain repent first uh, because that will actually build the foundation to which then we'll look at remember. So let's, let's talk about repent. Um, and repent is this first word that I think will help us think about how do we get out, uh, you know, as constant worshipers, how do we actually worship God, even in the midst of so many other things that could vie for our worship? How does repent actually help us do that? Well, before I actually speak to that, let me just acknowledge this one thing, um, especially, I think, in today's environment. I, I just want to acknowledge that this word repent um, in a lot of ways has been used by some you know, teachers or uh, some even pastors as a way to um, cause you know, unjust things to people. That they've used, they've wielded this word repent or repentance to really cause people a lot of pain and hurt and brokenness. And I'm not just speaking about the Asian American context. I, you know, I think that this, even unfortunately, has been the case even throughout church history. Uh, one blatant example of this is actually the selling of indulgences in the Middle Ages, right? This is indulgences that the Catholic Church sell, uh, sold. And what an indulgence is, if you, if you don't, uh, haven't heard of that before, is an indulgence was a type of permit or certificate that reduced the amount of punishment one had to undergo for sins. And, uh, and you know, back in the Middle Ages, that you know, priests or church leaders or the Catholic Church would sell these to people, and there was a commercialization uh, and a lot of money was kind of given to the church for these things, for these indulgences. And then later on, in 1567, the Catholic Church recognized that there was a lot of abuse uh, with indulgences, and so they canceled the monetization of them back in 1567. Um, and I just share that. I know that that detail probably doesn't matter to most of everyone that's listening, but I just wanted to be fair to the Catholic Church to say that they recognized the fact that this was uh, being abused, and they stopped indulgences during that time. And I just wanted to acknowledge this because, uh, acknowledge that even repent 
or repentance, these words could be used in hurtful, uh, unjust ways. But I also wanted to say that we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That just because some pastors and some leaders, some teachers are using these words or have used these words in ways that are hurtful, doesn't mean that Christians shouldn't repent anymore. That I think that the Bible and Jesus are very clear in the sense of wanting us to repent for our own good. And I think what is hard is we have to see repentance maybe in a different light than we have done in the past. That might help us be a more healthier way of seeing what repentance is all about. And so that's what I'd like to at least start us thinking about is, is there a healthier way of viewing repentance? And thankfully, this passage actually points us in that direction. You know, maybe too often we look at repentance as just forgiveness of sins, that we sit and we pray and ask God that we're horrible people, we're sinners, and that we need forgiveness. And that's true. But in some ways, I think the way that we practice that is sometimes just at the surface level, really. I believe, I really believe that there is a, a more deeper way of looking at repentance. And I believe that way is looking at repentance as reorientation. Repentance as reorientation. And I believe this passage actually shows us, again, in verse 5. In verse 5, Jesus, when we originally read it in, in the NLT version, the translation there, that Jesus was calling the church in Ephesus to turn back, to turn back. And then I think later on when we read the NASB, it says repent. But repent and turning back, I believe, are really the same, one and the same, that Jesus is calling them, the Ephesian church, as they've turned away, then to turn back. And in that sense, it's a reorientation of what these Ephesians are doing. As they've turned away to other gods, that Jesus and God are asking them to reorientate what they see and turn back to him. I think it's extremely helpful to look at repentance this way because more than just asking for forgiveness, and, you know, I think in practice, I mean, theologically, we should do that. That is, you know, ultimately a lot of like one of the firm foundations that our, our faith is based on. So don't get me wrong there. That we should still ask for forgiveness and that Jesus paid the price to forgive us of our sins. But I believe that there is a deeper sense there where what God is asking us to do is really reflect on how have we given our hearts to other gods? Really, and, and as we think about that, that from asking God for insight into how we've given our heart to other gods it will help us then understand that it's a reorientation that really ultimately leads to true transformation. You know, we really need to sit and think about, well, what's the real reason why I sinned in the first place? Like, where have I placed most of my desires, my wants, my thoughts, you know, even my time and my strength? What have I given most of those things to? And really, what does that really point to about where my heart is really at? And I think that ultimately gets at the heart of this question of sin and what, you know, God wants us to do when we actually repent and turn back to him. And so maybe this is a little bit too uh, abstract as I talk about these things. So let me just give a concrete example of what I mean. So, so here is a screenshot of my YouTube homepage. Um, it's actually a pretty good snapshot of, of what I'm you know, interested in in a lot of ways. 
Um, you know, maybe this is TMI, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's videos here of you know technology reviews or gaming videos, movies, TVs reviews. Uh, you know, one one thing though that's kind of neat is that there's a Tim Mackey video here from Bible Project, so that at least there's a a good side, right? Not not all not all um, the sinful side of me, but uh, but also like Critical Role, which is a D and D show too as well. And the reason I'm I'm showing my YouTube. Uh, homepage is because, you know, just I like to confess that I do spend a lot of t- my free time watching YouTube, um, and 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 you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I, I would say that in a healthy way, when I do watch YouTube, it's it's to help maybe get my mind off things, to think about other things, and sometimes just watching one or two videos, and I can just move on to something more productive, you know, like helping around the house or or working on harvest stuff. But I think what is uh, maybe a more unhealthy way, or even I would say sinful way, that I've watched YouTube is there are times where I'm just spending hours looking for videos that would find I would just be really interested in. And there's something that I just I'm like, okay, I've seen that, and I want to find something else. I just keep looking and looking. And I and I recently heard there's a a, a phrase for that. It's called doom scrolling. Uh, when you doom scroll, you're just constantly scrolling through, looking for the next thing you just can't stop. Um, maybe it's used more for social media. But I, I think that really kind of aptly describes even my own experience with YouTube. And uh, you know, over the pandemic, I, I really was trying to think through like, why do I even do this in the first place? Why am I spending hours um, just watching YouTube at different times? Why am I sitting there just searching and searching for that next interested video? And you know, there is, in a sense, that what I'm searching for um, isn't just to relax or just to escape, but what I'm really searching for is peace. And not in this biblical sense of peace, but my own definition of peace. What I'm really searching for is uh, my time where I can spend to only look at what I want or my interests, my, what I want to feel, and not anyone else, and that nobody can bother me. And really what I'm worshiping is my definition of peace. And so really when I, you know, and then there's a lot of times where I spend a lot of time and I, and I feel really guilty and terrible and I, I try, and I try to repent. I try to turn to God and I pray and I ask, God, forgive me for wasting so much of my time when there's so many other things going on and I need to work on those things. But then ultimately what happens if I just do that, like I'll inevitably come back, you know, to watching doom scrolling again, watching YouTube at some point. And so I, I feel that really asking God for insight into why the sense of I'm looking for peace, I think has really taken to me in this whole different direction when it comes to repentance. That what God is asking for me to really turn back to him is not necessarily just saying, okay, I need to pray and I need to ask for forgiveness, but to sit and ask for insight and to see what ways that God can redefine my definition of peace, to make it more aligned to what the Bible talks about peace, to maybe even find other ways to find peace, maybe taking a walk or sitting and talking with people, that these could bring about the peace that I'm seeking, and that then the power that YouTube kind of holds over me would be less, because ultimately that's what I'm seeking. That's what I would like to worship, and that God already has true peace that can be found in Him. And so that's what I mean by a healthier way to repent, that Really, we're asking God for insight into what we're actually worshiping. 
and then wisdom into how to reorientate our worship back to Him. And so I think for a lot of us, when we think about repentance, I would like for all of us to think in those terms. That in a lot of ways, we're not just asking forgiveness, although that's important too, but that what we're also asking for, what you could be asking for, is insight into why why you are worshiping you know, something that maybe isn't God. Insight into what that is, that thing is even that you might be worshiping. And that you would need God's wisdom into helping you to reorientate that worship back to Him. So that's repent. Uh, the next word is remember. And the reason why I want to remember to be second here is because remember is actually a concrete way of then reorientating our hearts back to God. That really it's, it's, it's an it's a action that we can take, uh, a concrete action that we can take, a practical application, if you will, of what repentance is. And so, um, you know, when Jesus talks to the, or tells the Ephesian church, he really kind of tells them and points them back, as I kind of mentioned uh, earlier, is that he's really pointing them back to when they first encountered Jesus, when they first became Christian. And I think there is a lot of value in, in thinking about how we first became Christian, what we felt, uh, these things like the powerful emotions, maybe when we first really received God's grace in our lives and just seeing that God's beauty for the first time, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Those are all really powerful things to go to. But I also wanted to point out that it's also very powerful to remember because it helps us remember why, why we followed Jesus in the first place. Why did we do things? Like Why did we give our lives over to him? And the reason why I think this is so important is because in the midst of, you know, all the things that are needed to get done in our Christian lives, taking care of our families, taking care of our friends, uh, serving harvest, serving church, or, or even interacting with other friends that aren't believers or coworkers, that in the midst of all the things that on the tasks that we have to do, that we might be forgetting why, why we followed Jesus in the first place. And as we think about why, it might actually open up surprising things that we haven't thought of uh, in a long time. I know just for me that I remember when I first followed Jesus, the why was because Jesus gave me a sense of purpose, this purpose that I couldn't explain through any other means. And that drove me to ask, like wanting to know about him, ask questions of these things. But, you know, I have to be honest that it's so easy to lose that sense of purpose when there's so many things kind of going on. And I just feel the pressure of just trying to get that next thing done. And so it's just helpful practice, I think, even for myself to sit and sometimes uh, just five to ten minutes in the quiet and asking God to help me remember why I'm doing these things in the first place. And so really at the end of the day, I'd just like us to ask ourselves this question. Do I want to continue the way that I'm living today? Do I want to just continue what I've been doing? Because I know for many of us, we're tired. We're tired of just trying to grind it out at our work. We're tired of all the responsibilities that we have, both with family and friends and church. Do we want to continue in that life? And if we don't, I have good news for you that Jesus doesn't want us to continue in that life either. That what he has given us is a way to really turn back to him, to recapture 
that loving feeling that we might have lost along the way. And really what I would like to just end with is just thinking about, you know, where are we currently at? Where have we given our hearts to other things, our strength to other things? Have we worshipped other gods when we don't even realize it? And so really what I'd like us to do now is just, just to spend the next few moments reflecting, asking God to look with us at where we're at right now. No judgment, no fear, no shame, no guilt, just honesty and asking God to look at our lives and help us to see, give us insight into where we are currently at and wisdom in how to recalibrate our lives back to worshiping him. And so after these few moments, the worship team will close us in a song. May God continue to give us more insight and more wisdom in how we can follow him. Uh, May he help us to turn away, maybe from the gods that we've turned to, either intentionally or unintentionally in our lives. And may he help us to see what we are actually worshiping, but then to realize that our true worship is found in him. And may he do this in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us at our online service. Um, it's you know, great to even be interacting with you even in this way. Uh, and so hopefully as things kind of the pandemic winds down, we'll be able to see you guys face to face at one point. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.